What you trying to do to me, Greg? Hey, man. I'm just doing my thing. If it does something to you, I can't help it. Give me some water, please. So. Yes, sir. I was reading about this thing called the elevator game. The elevator game. I saw you mention it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have time to say, uh, what you talking about, Willis? What was I mean, interesting to me was when I read about this elevator game, it, it's it's this... Okay. Can I ask some questions before you explain it? By all means. So all I know is the title. Mm. So I'm going to think out loud here for yes. the listeners at home. So like, okay, there's, there's elevator pitches, like 30 second thing to tell what your company does, right? Then there's like the engineering of elevators. Like in super tall buildings, you can't have an elevator shaft that goes the whole way because right. the weight of the cable is too much. Mm-hmm. So is the elevator a game about a super tall building where you have to have multiple elevator shafts? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the thoughts that I have? I had a thought about queuing elevators. You know, okay, everyone's either going into work in the morning and you mm-hmm. have to find the optim- optimal algorithm to where to place the cars. Say you have six elevators going to 30 stories. It, oh, in the morning it's easy, I guess, because you kind of want to just have them all run back down to the lobby. But maybe in the evening, at the quitting time, you have to find an optimal algorithm to service the people that are on 30 different floors going down to the lobby. So, am I close with any of these thoughts about the elevator game? No, not even not not, not even a little bit. Not even a little. Okay, cool. Um, elevator game is a. Um, urban legend ghost thing. Okay. Like that, jumping in elevators? No, it, it's, it's, it's a ritual that people do because the game... Oh, that it, it, like it, a cultural norm of behaving Not a cultural in norm, no. Okay. no. It, it's a ritual. It originated in Korea, and the idea behind it is... Um, that if you do this ritual correctly, you will find yourself in another world. Yeah. Uh, and Does it have to do with elevators? Yes, it has to do with elevators. Being in an elevator? Doing a specific series of tasks in an elevator. And it'll open a portal to another world. Here's how the elevator game works. You, this game was from Korea. Oops, let's see here. This game was from Korea. By performing this ritual, you were supposed to get to a quote unquote different world. According to people that successfully completed the game, it looks the same. <laughs> people have successfully completed the game? Yes. Uh, Has it been independently verified? I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, it looks the same as the town building that you're from, but the lights are off and you can. Only see a red cross in the distance. Sometimes they say it's hard to breathe, or the the air feels more full. Sometimes people pass out. They get to this other world. Here's what you have to do. You have to be in a 10-plus story building. If someone is in the elevator with you, it won't work. You have to do it alone. Get in the elevator on the first floor. Press 4. When you reach the fourth floor, don't get out. Press 2. When you reach the second floor, press 6. When you reach the 6th floor, press 2. When you reach the 2nd floor, press 10. When you reach the 10th floor, press 5. When you reach the 5th floor, a girl will come in. That woman is not human. Don't talk or look at the girl. If you do, she'll take you away. 
Press 1, and if the elevator instead starts going up to the 10th floor, then you have succeeded. You will have reached another world where there is no one except you. If you get off at the 10th floor, the girl will ask where are you going, but don't answer. How to return. If the woman didn't get on, and if you don't don't get off at the 10th floor, if you don't get off at the 10th floor, then press 1. If, that's the, if it doesn't press, keep on pressing until it works. So, there's stories online of people saying that they've done this. Uh, and they say they get to the 10th floor and they have this experience and it's really dark. Air feels heavy. They feel lightheaded. They... Is it like a psychosis? Yeah. Okay. Here, here's what's going on. Because looking at this, I, I sort of see exactly I mean, what's I happening. I guess most people, when the girl doesn't come on in the fifth floor... We'll say that it's... You do it over again. Right. And most people will... Will you know strive for years to make that happen? Well, I, I think that people are playing or fast people, and or rules, people ignore, fast and loose oh. with it. You know, well, the girl didn't get on, but it doesn't matter. I, I got through all the steps, so I can go on here. Or, mm. or somebody does get on, but they still play this. You know, whatever, whatever is happening in, in the mind, whatever people happening, I can tell you that people have had this experience because I believe it. On the other hand, I can assure you that they haven't <laughs> as 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 certain that is. as certain as I can possibly be that they haven't gone to another dimension I can tell you what's happening they are doing a ritual this ritual of these numbers pressing these buttons in this particular order that by its very nature is essentially a little bit of like a self-hypnosis it puts you into a more suggestible state mm-hmm you're doing it alone. You don't have anybody with you. You don't have anybody to to. You're not comparing it to anything. You're you're psyching yourself out. Essentially, you're convincing yourself this is happening, and then you get to the tenth floor. Whatever happens, happens. You get to this tenth floor, and you go into a panic attack. Lose things looking less you know darker, air feeling heavy, harder to breathe. You pass out. You're having a panic attack. <laughs> this is a this is a ritual designed to put people into panic attacks. It's it's kind of it, it's kind of cool that it's like a brain hack that probably works pretty well. I guess okay. It's it's to me it was like because I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like that you know do it just the ritual part alone is enough to put you into a weird state of mind mm-hmm. and then if you are convinced that this is actually happening let's say somebody does get on you're even more convinced now right i mean oh my god and and then your your, your heart starts beating your mind yeah. starts going you put I mean, yourself into a suggestible state already maybe it's because they're suggestible people i mean if i wanted to try this game like so the game so what did it say? If you go to the fifth floor and there's no woman to get on, are you supposed to start over? I that is not. A, I mean, the only thing that that is that I see in the explanations is is not a woman didn't get on, but rather someone got on earlier and that messed it up, mm-hmm. or it worked completely. I mean, I don't, I don't see people saying the women didn't get on. What I think happens is people would just say, "Oh, good, the woman didn't get on," 
I think that they're, they're just conveniently ignoring that. Or they, and I think also there's the woman gets on, but that can happen really at any point. I think people really don't care much about mm. when the woman gets on as opposed to mm. the the fact that you have to just press a couple bunch of buttons and go through, yeah, through the... It's not really... I'm surprised... It's probably enough for hypnosis or whatever, but I'm surprised to get to another world, it's only like six steps. I mean... <laughs> It's steps. absolutely absurd, but the, <laughs> the the idea is that I'm yeah. really disappointed in this game. I thought this game would be more interesting. I guess the psychology is the psychology but... is fascinating to me. That that's what that's what really interests me about it. Because I'm looking at it and saying you're 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 putting you're doing a ritual that gets yourself into a psychological state that means you're very suggestible. If you accept on some level that alternate worlds, you know, the upside down, whatever, are are accessible. Or you just find yourself in a psyched out state where, oh my god, this is actually working and happening. You can like, oh my god, it's real. There's so many, and especially when you put yourself into these states, mm-hmm. which you can do, I mean, that's what rituals are for. That That's even what meditation does, is what all these things do when you, sure. when you do these rituals. Uh, it's what you do when you drive to work. You're putting yourself into a sort of self-hypnosis. That's why you don't remember it. Uh, Is it really? I I would figure a task you do every day would be classified differently than a self-hypnosis. I mean, I understand why when it's mundane, you don't remember it. But I wouldn't... I'm surprised that you consider that the same kind of state. I, I believe it is. I believe it's it's a, it's a similar state because I think that hypnosis is, is a is a, is a really interesting thing that can happen in the brain. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually pretty typical. I think it's something that happens more often okay. than, than than we believe it does. Uh, just by doing little rituals and things. I mean, I think OCD is an extreme example of, of people sort of hypnotizing themselves all the time just to get themselves out of panic. You know, to, to to find some normalcy or something like that, right? To 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 for whatever possible reason. I, not a psychologist, can't say whether this is actually sure. real, but this is my interpretation of this. Uh, and when you're in that that state of when you're driving into work, you're also sometimes listening to things, and they'll it'll go right through you. You probably more susceptible to things changing your mind uh, in that state because things can you're more suggestible to, to things your, your brain is concentrating on one thing you're, the, the part of your brain that's concentrating on doing activities and doing the sort of critical work is concentrating on driving but it's a regular thing you do all the time so the part of your brain that memorizes things pretty much ignores it but your concentration is there so the other stuff that's coming in you're not concentrating on so much. And when you're not concentrating on it so much, but you are aware of it, it sinks in easier. You're not you're not putting in your reflexive shield up against, is that real or not? Is that rational or not? You're sort of letting it go through you. Okay. It's interesting. I would have described the automata, atomic... Or, uh, automaticness of driving to work a little bit differently than that. I would say that you know, it's 
I have kind of the spinal cord part, you know, steering the wheel and knowing where to get off. And then, you know, the other parts of my brain, I listen to, you know, is, is listening to the interesting stories on the radio and kind of just, you know, paying attention to that. Like there was a thing I was driving home yesterday, two days ago. And, you know, in a completely automatic moment, Ooh, that's I, was, that's I was nice. making a turn and I made a turn, but I also drifted over a lane which, you know, trying to make every day. For some reason, I was over a lane. So, like, I, I, and I, when I usually make my turn, I go to the right one lane, but I turned into the lane that I wanted to be in. So, I went over one more lane and I'm like, oh shit, I had to come back, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was, I, I kind of see that as, you know, like my it, it automatic feel, it driving It feels parts. like autopilot, right? It yeah. feels like, it feels like my conscious brain is elsewhere. My brain is doing autopilot, but really, it's, it's a pretty complex thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Dry, you know, controlling the car while it's in that state. You're also you can make mistakes by not paying as much attention to it. Your body is still doing a lot of control and communication. There's a mm-hmm. lot of things going on in terms of visuals. Mm-hmm. Under you know, translating that to to um, to to how you to how you're controlling your body, it's a lot more I think active in your brain than you probably think, and that's why the the hypnosis part of it is is profound because you feel like you're paying attention to other stuff, but actually you're full. It's not like you're sitting in a lecture room, right? The, mm-hmm. the, full, the full weight of your attention is not on this thing that you're listening to and if you listen to something when you're just sitting down versus if you're listening to something when you're driving I'm gonna bet that if you took a test you'd be much better when you were sitting down versus the stuff you're getting when you're driving okay you're getting pieces of information you're 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 building that in when your brain has time to but you think Oh, it's just, you know, I'm just driving. I'm really listening to this. Mm-hmm. That aspect of you thinking that you you have your full attention on it when you don't is hypnosis. <laughs> it is okay. you can. It, it is your brain convincing yourself. I got a handle on this. Just take it in. Okay. All right. I can't argue. I don't know. Sure. So. And, and to me, that's like when you do relig- religious rituals, when you go to meditate, when you make coffee in the morning. Take a shower. I mean, <laughs> it's not, if it's a regular thing, if it's a thing that you do all the time, you're more suggestible in that state. Your your brain is half working on something, half not. You'll, you know, you've had the experience, I'm sure, where you're doing something... And you're half listening to your wife telling you something or not, or your kids telling you something or not, and you're just like, uh huh, uh huh, yeah. And you sort of, you kind of half realize what they're saying, and you half don't, and you half realize when you should make some, make a point, and when you shouldn't. But it kind of flows through you, and then later you can sort of recall it, but you can't always. <laughs> right. Very similar state to what people talk about when they go through hypnosis. They can sort of recall it. Not everything, 
they were concentrating on something else, spending a lot of effort concentrating on something else. Okay. That left the other part of the part of their brain sort of open. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. The elevator game. The elevator. I gotta find a sensory built. Cause I wanna go to a new world. see uh did that did that anything interesting come up with you this week um no just work stuff nothing to really share works interesting and fun still getting used to working for a giant company mm-hmm. it has its goods and its bads some things take a really long time to get settled out. But mm-hmm. something have to go up a chain, right? And it's a long it's, chain. It's not so much the, the things that the company knows how to do, because it's like very decentralized. Like so many things, like approval stops to just your manager. It doesn't really have to go up the chain. Mm-hmm. But like there's this one thing I'm working on where it's like not in their playbook at all. Mm. And if something's not in their playbook, it's like impossible, and that's the yeah. I, I can see where that would come from, right? Because you're they're a little more skittish about something they haven't encountered. It's like and they're going it's like, to be you know, more. We're this eight hundred billion dollar company. Why should we do something new that we don't do? It's also we're an elephant. Should we really walk on this ice? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's mm-hmm. yeah. There's a. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for it, is what I'm saying. It's not unacceptable that they don't do that. Like, there, yeah, there's reason. Sure. There's reasoning behind what they're doing, because I'm sure they've been burned before. <laughs> they, they've, you know, how, how can you not have been? And of course, it's Microsoft. So yes, they have been. Um. So they're cautious, and that makes sense. If you're, if you have a, if you're massive. You got a lot of inertia. You want to make sure you're going in the right direction. So there's this training. Right when we started last year, one of the mandatory trainings was their SBC, Standards of Business Conduct. Mm. Conduct. And in 2018 or 2017, I guess 2017 or FY18 version, which was mostly 2017, they they had this. What does your fiscal year end? Uh, ends June 30th. Uh, so it's July 1st through June 30th. Mm-hmm. So we're in FY19 now. Um, but SBC, so they have this video training, like four episodes. And it's like it's like a, a, a suspenseful drama type thing with these different characters. And there's this one guy who is misusing customer data and violating GDPR. And then there's this other person who's doing... They should have Vince Gilligan write it and, and, and direct it. Then there's this other person. That'd be so awesome. It'd be so cool if because Microsoft can spend the money on it. If they can make like oh, they. Sp- I wish I. I wish I could show you these videos. I'm not sure I'd be allowed to show you these videos, but you know. And they brought back the same characters for season two. And instead That's of so this cool. guy violating GDPR, he's doing insecure things. But like, oh poor Nelson, he just can't get it right. He lost his bonus last year because of the GDPR Nelson? thing, and then this year he screwed up again. 
and his buddy John, who was just the worst actor ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the like, so there's two two guys in engineering, and then there's this um, new hire in sales, and her manager is like this completely like um, like not following the rules, like like let's not like let's make the reseller like eat the licenses you know like and you know of course like this is obviously wrong right mm-hmm. but then like you know, and she's doing it again this season and then there's this whole there's this whole storyline where for some reason these two engineers please tell know, me that the elevator game shows up you, know, you got these two engineers right you got this guy who's working on artificial intelligence it'd be so awesome if all of a sudden there's like Oh, a spirit came through, or like they had to do some like they had an episode where they just changed reality just for an right. episode. So anyway, so here's where it all comes like like you, so you got these you got these characters in sales, you got these characters in engineering. This guy's writing a machine learning algorithm. So in this season, there's this guy who is like the one of the like like a president. This season on fuck ups. <laughs> well, it's this season on SBC. Um, but so you got this guy who is like the president of like some African country, and he's working with Microsoft for his digital convergence something or another. The president of the African country is trying to. Or he's or he's he's a he's a um he, he's a minister at least. Okay. But he has a book, and everyone worships him. And like the the one guy that's Nelson's friend, John, is like, "Oh my God, you're meeting so and so! I have his book. I love it so much." And <laughs> so, uh, what was it? Oh, he got it apart. Good job. But so Nelson's talking to the president guy about his machine learning algorithm to help. Yeah, like like what? And then you got the the girl who with the manager who's doing all the like illegitimate um stuff like oh we got to get this reseller on because we owe her a sale from last season when she made her eat all those licenses when she didn't have a real customer and you know that kind of thing and it's just making me want to talk about better call salt <sighs> you, know, you realize <laughs> this is kind of better call Saul. <laughs> i wish i could show you this man oh it's it's so good so bad and poor nelson he can't do anything right because now he put a source code up on Azure with no, no like credentials, oh. and his machine learning algorithm got hacked oh. by the red team. And the red team. Oh, spoilers! So we thought there was hackers in Microsoft. There was these three guys, and they were hacking Nelson's account and got a source code in his data. And then, like at the end, they all come out of the hallway and they're like fist bumping, like walking down the Microsoft hallway. They're the red team, so they're the Microsoft hackers that are trying to attack ourselves. And then, like, the manager of the red team is, like, Dr. X. He's wearing this black turtleneck. And he's uh, like, good job, team. Oh, please tell me he's in a wheelchair. He's not in a wheelchair. <laughs> but as far as for being in a wheelchair, he's like Dr. X. <laughs> he's like, he's like, but we have, <laughs> no. follow him and he goes to Microsoft, Cerebro. Microsoft is soon, they're, no, the person that sits behind Nelson, she's in a wheelchair. So, like, we got all disabilities and all cultures sure but they're not like they're, they're not taking it to the next level no. where, where they're where, where they're like making it no because the, the you know yes the management we still have work to go with our inclusivity in getting the management levels you right. know diverse and uh, everything but yeah they always have wheelchair people in these training videos sure and, and sure they got they show diversity but they don't really use it because it's not the main character it's just people in the back uh, the sales, the the new hire sales lady, she's black. Uh, okay, so she's diverse, and 
Nelson's manager is Indian, and so I mean, there's diversity throughout. Last season, in season one, after the episode, they would do a behind the scenes with a fake director talking about behind the scenes, but with talking points about the stuff, you know. This year, they didn't use a fake director. They used actually a real person from legal. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but like, there's a scene where first episode, she's wearing one Microsoft shirt. She's wearing an Xbox shirt. Second episode, she's wearing an AI shirt. Uh-huh. In the third episode, she's wearing like every cut, she's wearing a different shirt. <laughs> so she's in like one sit down talk, like giving her speech, and like, you know, cut here, cut there, and like her shirt changes. So they need a better script supervisor, I think. Yeah. Oh, well. I wish I could show you these. They're worth it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so interesting to me. Like, the idea of of doing something like that on a... Like, trying to make it artistic and interesting. <laughs> yeah, you gotta give Vince yeah. Gilligan to it, for yeah. sure. So anyway, Better Call Saul. Yes. That's so... I mean... It, I watch it and I'm kind of just sort of amazed by it because it's they're doing so many good things it's hard to keep track of why it's so good uh-huh. it's it's like you're just in you're just enthralled by it and there's a lot of like there's a lot of moments of nothing really happening punctuated by moments of huge stuff happening when Mike has to meet with what's her name? Lydia. Lydia. Yeah. Like Lydia's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm I'm earning my paycheck and writing cover. Like, you need to stop that. No, I'm not gonna stop that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great because um Gus is like kind of on his side. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean what was also great about it is how it's framed. It, it, yeah. just the visuals of it, they they have Lydia and you know, Black against the you know the sun coming in. I mean, they they always make the scene visually interesting or do something so that mm-hmm. your your brain is never turning off. Yeah, uh, you're always sort of paying attention to what's happening, and so the slow parts don't feel so slow, and the big parts hit hard because oh that scene where um, Kim, Kim is yelling at Howard. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, so good. You've talked for seasons about how good Kim is, and like, but that was like her tort of like, oh, just that scene was so good. She's like letting Howard have it. Yeah, and and you know, of course, the tragedy is you know that she's she's righteous for the wrong reason, essentially, or or, or for the wrong purpose, or something, because you know that. Like you see what what uh, what Jimmy is doing in the sense that he is he, here's here's my look at it because I'm not sure where it's gonna go, but my my feeling is Jimmy has had Jimmy feels like he has always had Chuck t- to look over him and has been a, a block on him. But really, his conscience has been a block on him, and Kim is part of that. So he sees Chuck die, he has to deal with that, but then he, f- I think what we're seeing now is him feeling, oh, well now I can do anything. But I don't think it's going to, it's going to backfire on him because it's, what he doesn't realize is that Kim was his, yeah, it's back. This is a little puzzle that 
play that. A little wire puzzle. Greg got it apart, and I haven't played this one with played with this one for a while. And the other day when I was playing with it, I couldn't get it apart, but Greg did, and I, did, I don't know. I just had some inspiration on how to get it back together, like a double double through each other type thing. Yeah, and it worked. So anyway, like Jimmy's real moral compass is actually Kim, mm-hmm. but he. I mean, like, it's it's so hard to. Be- I, I I was surprised by the photocopier scene where he genuinely. Oh yeah, well, that was great. He made this amazing plea, and he completely burned himself. I think this is kind of the is that like it's well, more of he, his self destructiveness, I guess. I, I don't think it was self destructive so much as he got in there. He he's a he's a con man at heart. Right, mm-hmm. and he got in there and saw the opportunity to play a con, and did it. And then realized if he were going to be taking this job, he'd be working for people he just conned into working for them. And and he'd just be conning people. It's it's less he, that, but, it, it's, it's but more the cons that, wouldn't have any real, you know. I mean, he sure he could con people into upgrading their photocopiers, but. It's not a direct payoff for him. It's not rewarding. It's yes, I think there's a lot of that going on, and, and I think it was the fact that he he was able to so easily con these people into hiring him that in in I I think that his idea is maybe he doesn't want to be a lawyer anymore, and he's looking around, but. He's gonna find himself being drawn back to being a lawyer because it's just too easy for who he is. Legit way to con people, right? And so he's like, he's going around and he's doing these things, but he finds it so easy to con people that he always, or at least this represents the idea that he will always find himself if he goes into a business like this in a position watching other people get conned. Like he he would have to if he were a salesperson there. He'd either watch that and maybe he wouldn't care because he's getting paid money mm-hmm. for them, but he also just he felt like he felt righteous in that moment. He almost yeah. felt Chuck like. Yeah. Where he okay. was like, okay. All right. I can see that. You want to get a little bit of Chuck going on? That makes sense. I don't necessarily understand his motivation for stealing, wanting Mike to steal the porcelain doll. I think it was that's just a way for him to make money. I think it, it's just it's money. just the con part of him playing. Like, is it him trying to get? But that's not really a con, though. Like, no, I think it will be because I don't think Jimmy is the just go in and steal thing type. He's a con type. I, I mean, the way I we'll see. But the way yeah. it's playing out, you know, he's looking and he sees the price of it. Yeah, well, he knew it was valuable when he saw it, right? right but I don't feel like Jimmy's the kind of guy who would just have somebody steal yeah. something. I feel like yeah, he's... Yeah, it seems like enlisting Mike... Well, he doesn't know what Mike's going to right. be. You know, he doesn't know what Mike's going to grow up to be, right? Uh, but, you know, hiring Mike to, to do that kind of thing seems... Um, superfluous, or, you know... Uh, petty. Petty, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't know what Mike's going to... He thinks Mike works at a parking garage where he has some skills. So maybe he sees it as an appropriate task... But it just doesn't. Yeah, I wanted to see. I wanted Jimmy to steal that thing in a more Jimmy way. 
we may still see that, or right? we yeah. don't know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch the the preview, so I don't know okay. what's going to happen next episode. It's probably not going to be. I wouldn't think it's going to be a huge part of the next episode, but I'm just curious. Like, mm-hmm. just just for the yeah, characters. Yeah, no, I, I think I'd for be, the character, I would be disappointed if it were just oh, he's going to have Mike go in there at night and steal it. That feels a lot less interesting than he's going to do some it con. Doesn't, doesn't seem like Better Call Saul. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, the Better Call Saul feels like a they're. They, they they are really caring about what their characters are thinking at the time. They're not they're not caring about where it's going. They know where it's going, but they're not caring so much because they care about where their characters are, and that's yeah. so much more important. And just in case you forget how uh, ruthless Gustavo Fring is, right? <laughs> there's a reminder. Yeah, yeah, it, it's. You know, because half the story is the, um, or at least a quarter of the story is the rise of of Gus, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know it's awesome and scary and it's everything you oh that that whole suffocation scene yeah that was it was so well done because it was so what's the word I'm looking for visceral it was visceral it was disturbing watching him suffocate mm-hmm. in that bag with his arms. Tied behind his back, it was just it was well shot. It, it, it was, it, I think it was. And like, then for um, the character, who's the guy? Nacho. Nacho, you know, he's. You get to see finally, like what, a, like he's just trying to get out of this mess, save his dad, and now he's like he's sliding down the slippery slope. Right, and he looks, and you know, and he sees that maybe Hector, Hector was was shitty, but this might be a lot worse. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you going to get something by Gus like you were able to get something by Hector through an elaborate plan that took a lot of work and he was really scared the whole time but was able to do it and guess what Gus saw right and, through it and now yeah and Gus saw exactly right through it uh, and Gus has him by the balls yeah and <laughs> that's the game man you play the game I know it's so good though. Just yeah. all like who would have thought that like Nacho would be developed character in Better Call Saul? It's just so good. It's 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 a it is a fantastic show. It, it's and like I said, it, I watch it. and I'm just kind of amazed by because I, I can't pick up all the great things it's doing. It's it's doing so many things so well. And I think about other shows like Westworld. <laughs> I think to myself, and Westworld has all this talent behind it. I know, I just threw it away. And it's just, yeah, dude, compared to Better Call Saul, it's just, it's it's money just thrown away, thrown into a dumpster. And not just, not just money, the effort of people, the, the art of people, thrown into a dumpster, because the story is fucking absurd. And here's this beautiful, like, examination of characters that, that constantly keeps raising the stakes, but also has its, has great moments of humor and... And it's so consistent season yeah. after season. How do they do that? It, it's it's a it's an exceptional it, show. You know, it, I guess you know it'll be really be a testament. Can they stick the landing? Yeah, that'll so, be important. So many shows can't, and this one has this one has the landing already mapped out. Can they stick it? Yeah. I'm optimistic. I think they will. I mean, they're just they they've done it before. I think Breaking Bad did a pretty yeah. good job of sticking the landing. I mean, yeah. maybe it was a little, a little wobbly, but it, it stuck it fine. 
you know, and and, and it justified itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is a better show than Breaking Bad. I'm, so you know, maybe there's probably a bit of a luxury with Better Call Saul where they probably could get a better commitment from the network to to do this yeah. number of seasons they wanted to do, number of episodes they wanted to do. Probably. Yeah. So they have a better idea of where how how to make the arc balanced, mm-hmm. right? Well, from what I understand about their writers' room is they they don't go in with a plan. They don't they don't they they write themselves into corners all the time yeah. and they find their way out. And that's not normally how people would run a writers' room. Right. And I don't think it's it's a good way to run a writers' room, but like like a typical yeah, writers' well, room. Yeah, sure. There there are probably dozens or hundreds of ways this show can end and be consistent with breaking mm-hmm. bad. You know, as long as they find a good one. But they, they found a way to run a writer's room. Great. I think it, uh, it's similar to, I probably, from, from what you're saying about the Rick and Morty writer's room or the community writer's room, I would say most shows should be run like that. Mm-hmm. But it works for for that show. It, it works to have Dan Harmon sort of lording over the room and making sure everything sticks with perfect story structure because it, re- it, it makes... It adds that other aspect that makes this thing yeah. different from the other shows. It just, yeah. I mean, the thing that amazes me is like they spend so much time on character, character story, character story, and really advancing the plot is secondary to character. Mm-hmm. Character development is primary. Characters drive the plot. This is so important that characters drive plot as opposed to plot moving characters. Plot can't be a river, and characters are are boats in the river I mean it, it can be but that's you know th- that can work but that was like my problem with Mission Impossible right it, it was the plot moved everything along the characters were just sort of they were carried along by the mm-hmm. current of the plot they had nothing to do with the fact with, with how the plot unfolded Better Cross Hall is all about yeah. the but characters making the plot unfold the, the, the right but the characters are so well developed you start looking at like how little time they have in an episode and like it's like you know, to me it's starting to feel masterful like how they divvy that up in advancing the plot what's amazing is how so how slow the show is yeah right I mean the, the show is slow and deliberate but it it had, doesn't have much time it has the same amount of time as, as other shows but it doesn't overload it with plot it doesn't overload the characters so you feel overwhelmed or you feel annoyed by them it's it doesn't get too overly playful like legion where Mm -hmm. they're like they're you know you feel like there's a little bit of okay you're just sort of masturbating here uh (laughs) there's it doesn't feel like Mr. Robot where some of this feels a little forced. You're, you're sort of pushing this. This Tyrell character doesn't feel like he's really necessary. This kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. There's... So, <laughs> I can't say enough good things about Better Call Saul. Really. I mean, I, just, I think it's exceptional. It is. It's... <sighs> I, love the, I love the people. I love those people so much. Just like, because you know them better than so many other people you see on TV. Mm-hmm. You understand them, when, and you when they do shitty things, you understand where they're coming from. <laughs> you, 
you almost like it. I wouldn't say you, you like you you get it. It makes sense. It, no, nothing comes out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Nothing just feels. Everything develops from stuff that you understand. It's so good. And when shit does come out of the blue, they deal with it in a way that, mm-hmm. like you know, uh, uh, Kim getting into an accident. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a out of the blue plot element, but it's something that could happen. And well, she was overworked, mm-hmm. tired, right. So. I mean, like the whole thing with Hector and and uh, and getting the Johns Hopkins thing, like that was just a little, just a little sort of plot point. Oh, that scene where the cousins come in, uh-huh. you know, like, like you know, they weren't expecting the doctor to speak mm-hmm. Spanish, and he's fluent in Spanish. That was so good. And then, then they make uh, Nacho and the other guy talk, like talk right, to Hector. Yeah. You got to do the talking. Oh, Don and it Hector! Was, it was just a little like. It was just, just a little color. That's all it did. It added yeah. color to the world. But it was the, the fakeness of that conversation was just great too. Yeah, right? like oh, Don Hector, like uh huh. <laughs> yeah, because you could feel. I would never talk to you like this if you were conscience. Uh-huh. <sighs> well, if you can't tell, we would definitely recommend that show. I, I will not say that the that the experience is nearly that that good. Mm-hmm. Nothing is so, but I will say the expanse will you'll enjoy it. Okay. I, 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 especially if you start where, where I'm suggesting, just go from there, watch those seven episodes. I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, if not, I would, would, would like to hear so. I'd like to hear why. Okay, don't watch the rain, I won't promise, <laughs> except for the cold episode. You should watch that just to see if there's any reason for cannibalism. <laughs> I'll read the wiki. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a piece, so I guess it's time to wrap this up. All right, well, we shall talk to you later. Thanks, everybody, for listening. 475 is next on your playlist. <laughs>